Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 7th, 2011. For newcomers, you should always make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. It's, a, it's quite the, a large website, so there's hundreds and hundreds of audios that I've put up there over the years where you can, you can download at your leisure. They're for free. And you can try and understand this massive system. It truly is massive. I say try because it's so, it's so convoluted, the system we call reality that you're born into, a system that pre-existed your birth and your parents' birth and, and your grandparents and so on, a great master plan for the world. And it's not hard to find them, uh, the, 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 the basis of this plan, even universities and university courses, they're always on about Marx and capitalism, etc., etc. all the great thinkers that all push towards this global idea, globalism. And uh, there's many different names, but we also find that there's the organizations that came forward to set up this, the structure of globalism, including those with the, who planned wars to bring countries to their knees, to get them to all amalgamate. They talked about a European Union long before World War II. In fact, Karl Marx talked about it too in 1800. So you've, you've got literally um, a, an ongoing agenda backed by the big money boys who certainly are doing well off it themselves as they loot the countries in the process. And uh, it's to be a world where technocracy, uh, ruled by experts, will take over from politicians and elected representatives. And we're seeing that uh, being, being installed in our own lifetime. Of course, the terrorism aspect, etc., really speeds it up and helps it along, too. It's an excuse to integrate. That's what NAFTA is using, the North American Free Trade Agreement deal. Still ongoing, by the way. And uh, so help yourself to the audios. Remember, they all carry transcripts to all those sites you see listed on the comm site. You can actually print them up. It's in English. If you want in other languages, go into alanwatsentinel.eu, and you'll find a list of the available transcripts there for print-up. Remember, too, you are the audience to bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. And uh, if you like what you hear and you're learning something and really finding out what's happening, uh, what's behind it, why it's all working in concert, uh, and it certainly is working in concert, believe you me, across the whole world, uh, then you can support me and buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. From the U.S. to Canada, you'll find out how to do it on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office or use PayPal. Some people just send cash. Across the rest of the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal to order or donate. Donations are really, really welcome at this time of year. Actually, it's all the time because things are always busting around here. But, as I say, we're going through uh, a process, and really it's nothing new. There's nothing new in the fact that governments uh, collude with other governments to to bring something big in, big steps. We've had the League of Nations before the United Nations 
Uh, each one promised to leave every country as an independent sovereign state. And of course, if it's far from the truth, you'd be surprised how many laws that we sign into our books and as an, at the national level that come from the United Nations today. So there's hundreds of them. And they bind you together through uh, treaties, basically. So it's an ongoing process towards this great strange thing called globalization, uh, equality, all of these things all combined together. And it reminds me of what they say in India about Brahma, because they, they talk about there have been many attempts at utopias. Man's always trying to create utopias, and they always end in disaster. And the way it's going today, um, it pretty well looks that way, when we see the, the chaos that's being induced to make it all happen, by the way, such as you know bankrupting all the countries to bind the countries together. Quite a great deal, isn't it, for the banks, that is. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And I've mentioned so many times uh, how we live through great changes. Most folk really adapt so quickly they, they don't seem to notice it much because it doesn't hit them so hard personally. Uh, they'll, they'll find their taxation going up as the countries spend more cash on wars and different things and the redistribution of wealth across the world, one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto. And uh, But as long as they can party and play and eat, they're, they're okay. Uh, it's only when it hits them and, and they're getting ready for the street, getting on the street or put on the street, I should say, and lose their homes, they get a, a bit annoyed. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen uh, all at one place at one time generally. So there's not enough people commiserating with each other to form enough of a group to start demanding things with a voice. It happens all over the place in scattering, scattered areas, etc., and that's part of the problem with this. But to so see you're living through one of the greatest agendas ever devised uh, for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And uh, I can remember many years ago, Rockefeller himself said that this was going to be the biggest shake-up of the world uh, since Industrial Revolution. And in the Industrial Revolution, they put millions of people off the land and forced them into the cities by importing cheap crops from abroad. That was how they did it. In fact, Rothschild himself put the corn laws through in Parliament to make sure it happened and undersold everybody, and therefore they all went out of business, all had to move to the big, uh, these new big cities, the Red Brig cities, they called them, and they were purpose-built for cramming folk in, maybe 12 to a room, who'd all work within the factories. And it was a life of squalor, misery, and 16 hours a day work. That's what it was. We've got to understand that, that, that this sort of cruelty is not unique, uh, really, in history at all. Uh, and uh, we see it happening in other countries today. And, and the, the first world countries are sponsoring it all and profiting it from it as well. So when it comes to money, um, there's nothing that cannot be done to people. It's always the same thing over and over again. You become commodities and utensils, basically, little robots for, for, for the big boys to profit by. And media, as I mentioned before, is owned by the Council on Foreign Relations groups. All the top boys, editors, owners, all belong to generally the, the two groups, actually, Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations, are in Europe as the role of international affairs. So they've been at this for over a 100 years to bring in this world government system. 
They've boasted in some of their previous publications that they literally have written the history for most of the countries, the first world countries, for a hundred years. And that's, that's the history that we are taught. And they managed to omit, and of course, their own role in creating wars to make it all happen. The only guy who put it out was the historian for the group themselves who got access to their archives, and uh, officially that is, and uh, he published it in Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. And he published their, 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 how they'd manipulated history and the events uh, for a hundred years. He thought he thought, thought it should come out in the open, and because they had played such a major role in shaping the events in the course of the world. And um, I guess he was a bit premature with it, and they didn't like that. But anyway, he managed to get his books out before uh, it was bought over, and then they broke his plates, the actual plates that uh, printed them. So anyway, he talked about uh, the integration and again, the different trade blocks we'd have. The idea, going back to Karl Marx, who wanted a, a united Europe, and we have that. And we have uh, the ongoing process for United Americas, and it really is ongoing, by the way. As I say, in 2005, they first came out publicly as the Council on Foreign Relations uh, when the Prime Minister and the two presidents, Mexico and, and, and the U.S., met to sign the first stage of the official agreement, the open agreement to the public, which we haven't been able to get all of yet, by the way. And uh, they're 600 pages long, I think. And uh, they've signed an agreement every year since for total integration. Uh, yesterday I mentioned that uh, they'd met once again uh, under the guise of more of border crossing and etc., uh, etc., et but it's actually a deepening of the integration process with complete sharing of all citizens' uh, uh, private lives with each other's uh, security services and governments, etc., and much, much more, which they, they aren't going to tell us yet. In fact, it hasn't even been discussed in Parliament. I don't think we need parliaments anymore. We've got technocrats running most countries now. They just go and meet with other presidents and prime ministers and sign them in. And they actually tell their own parliament. You know, eventually you'll get it. Eventually you'll get it. You're still waiting for all, all the stuff that's been signed today. But what we do know is now is, is, is the U.S. police can come in to Canada and they'll start doing their cowboy stuff in, in Canada as well. That will break out. And the media is only covering uh, what the government's actually doing or the prime minister's doing uh, with, with the signatory uh, of this latest agreement uh, because they're trying to make it sound like it's just about the border and it is not at all just about the border. Now, tonight I'll put up two videos on it and one of them actually mentions they want Canada also to use biometrics uh, for crossing to and fro and the border, etc., and here's where the media spin on it is. And this is from CBC, which is the, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is owned basically by the government. Although we call it the Communist Broadcasting Corporation in Canada. And they're completely globalist. And CFR. I'll have a different name for it here in Canada. They changed it. Anyway, it says, uh, it said that, um, a new perimeter security and trade agreement and trade, right? Agreement between Canada and the U.S. aims to make everything from travel to cross-border business easier, coordinating regulations to cut red tape that the government estimates cost the economy $16 billion a year. Now, they've been saying this for years. Each time they sign this, they've always said this. So it's not about that at all, really. It says, but in exchange for changes, uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper hopes will smooth trade to Canada's biggest and most important partner. Officials have negotiated information sharing to ease American security concerns. 
The government argues Canada loses no sovereignty in the agreement. Both countries retain the power to allow people and products into and out of the country. So this is the smoothing over of what's actually taken place, this actual article here. Whereas in actual fact, uh, we're integrating further. We're combining our police services even deeper. We're combining taxation, by the way, because import duties and everything is to be shared. That all came out a few years ago after one of the agreements on, on the Peace and Prosperity Partnership and the board and the, the, the North American Perimeter Security Agreement assigned as well. And even the, the privacy uh, politician, also a politician in the British Commonwealth countries, uh, who deals with privacy. They have no power whatsoever, by the way, to enforce anything. They can only go up and tell the public once in a while you're losing all your freedoms. And, of course, the, the Privacy Commissioner came out again and said this is really, you know, this is just not a good deal at all because now you have all these agencies within the United States that can share information, they can get information on all Canadians, and they can then... Uh, we're going we're to start to see the same kind of trouble they have inside the United States. In, in Canada itself, as, as I say, cowboy tactics take over inside Canada. That will happen. That will definitely happen. This is what this, this deal is really all about. Anyway, it says it will take months before people see the results of the agreement, but pilot projects will start as soon as April 2012. The agreements represent the most significant step forward in Canada-US cooperation since the North American Free Trade Agreement. It's actually part of the North American Free Trade Agreement. It's ongoing. And it says, um, Obama told reporters Canada is key to this plan to grow the U.S. economy and implore Canadians to travel to America and spend money there. Everybody's scared to go down there in case you get shot. And he noted that the border security deal strikes a better balance by dealing with regulations that didn't need to be duplicated. So, yeah, why have two governments in the first place, eh? <laughs> so, um, Harper said two countries are already cooperating closely on security and that will continue. So it's just, uh, it's all PR, this whole article is nothing but public relations spin. And it doesn't surprise me because, you see, in 2005, as I say, when the, the Council on Foreign Relations appeared on Canadian television to say that they had actually drafted up the NAFTA agreement for the, the Prime Minister and for the Presidents to sign, uh, they also talked about uh, what they, where they really wanted to take this, which was total integration total integration of the countries into one, exactly the same as Europe. And one of their, their reporters uh, was a guy who did most of the talking upon that very, very subject. So it doesn't surprise me a reporter is giving us this, from the CFR obviously, is giving us this smoothed over glossy thing. It's just about the border. It is not just about the border at all. They also want, of course, um, it says they also want to not have to clear baggage use airports, blah, 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 if it's clear in Canada. Border crossings should move faster, yada, yada, yada. Wait times measured and posted at border crossings. But they also want the no-fly lists, and they want Canada to also take the American no-fly lists. In other words, if the, if the U.S. doesn't like you for what you're doing or for what you're saying, uh, they'll tell Canada uh, that you can't fly in, in, from Canadian airports. That's the deal. So, it says it will also mean that the two countries will share information about who enters and exits the country, and Canada will adopt the two U.S. screening measures over the next four years, uh, which is an electronic travel authorization for visitors who don't need visas to travel to Canada, and a system to deny boarding to inadmissible passengers before they get on a plane. Canada and U.S. will also share information about people from other countries, 
uh, not Canadian or U.S. citizens denied boarding or entry because of national security concerns. Officials say it's not yet clear exactly what information will be shared about Canadian and U.S. citizens when they cross the shared border. Currently, no information is shared upon entry or exit. That's not true because uh, in one of their, their, their exposes on the same topic, by the way, uh, after one of the agreements of 2010, they, they said that was already happening then. <laughs> so this is a, a PR nonsense spiel to smooth it over to make us go all back to sleep, uh, which isn't hard, unfortunately, for most folk in Canada. But um, it's written worse and worse. And as I say, I mentioned in 2001, uh, when all this started, and when they started to go off to war, first in Afghanistan, and then they slickly turned the gun sights on Iraq. I said, you know, it's going to be perpetual war. And I put up links to an article from the U.S. military magazine on that very topic. This is what they want across the world. But I said, this big eating machine will eventually come back home and start eating us all then. And it's about to happen. Back with more after this. Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And it is so astonishing to watch as they've used manufactured crisis to integrate even Europe into this more totalitarian system where they're not sovereign anymore. None of the countries involved are sovereign anymore. And they've been told that over and over. They have their own national anthem. Now, I'll talk about that tonight, too, how they started off and how they kept changing the treaties every so often until no one's got any sovereignty left whatsoever. Same things to happen, to you see, to, to America as well. And I noticed, too, as I read yesterday, about the, the Latin American bloc that's formed. That's the fastest way to get them all in agreement. And then, then they'll sign a deal with the U.S. and Canada, and then it'll be much quicker to, to all amalgamate completely, which is what they want down the road. It's far better than taking on one Latin American country at a time and getting them to, to take the deals. So it's working the way it's supposed to work, exactly the way it's supposed to work. And if it takes sinking and taking all your savings from you, all your cash, whatever, to do so, they will do it. And in fact, they like doing that, as we've witnessed in Europe. But a crazy, crazy thing, in order to keep a European Union together, they're willing to, to bankrupt every country because they're borrowing money from private lenders and then throwing it into the black hole, supposedly, to stop certain countries from sinking. So they should all sink together. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But they use that crisis and say, well, now we've no option now but to stay together. And we've no option now to go integrate even further and to give all authority to the IMF and the European Central Private Bank. Wonderful scam, isn't it? Exactly what Carol Quigley said. See, the Bank of International Settlements, based in Basel, Switzerland, is the organization that runs all the, the private central banks. And, and that's all, and the BIS is private too. And they, they decided to do this a hundred years ago. And we're living through it. I remember too, one of the talks that was given, um, a global meeting to do with wildlife, etc. And all the big boys were there. And I think it was Rockefeller and Rothschild was there too. But they said, they said uh, this present population are the cannon fodder for this global agenda. The cannon fodder. They planned a long time ago. So all the heartache you're seeing happening to others will soon be hitting all of you. 
and we're all just cannon fodder to get their big idea to come into reality. That's how they see us. And that's not a new thing, as I say, down through history, there have been similar things that they've been up to as well. Nothing happens, nothing happens on a big scale by itself, out of the blue. Now, I always get amazed too to watch the, you know, the, 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 the kind of disc jockey type, uh, journalism that goes on. This kind of ha-ha tongue and cheek journalism that's, that's popular with all the tabloids today as they cater to uh, almost an illiterate population that reads cartoons and, and, and plays video all the time. And it's, it's just the way it is, folks. It's not put down. It's, it's the way they've been taught. And this, this is how the headline goes from Australia. It's about Greece. Starvation recipes help Greeks tighten belts. Starvation recipes. That's supposed to be funny, you know. It says it's the ultimate belt tightening handbook, no meat. Push an eggplant through the grinder instead. Chew your food long enough for your stomach to feel full. And don't forget to sweep crumbs off your table and into a jar. These are some of the tips Greeks used to survive World War II occupation that have been collected in starvation recipes. A new cookbook has become, is getting sold throughout Greece. Isn't that just wonderful? Ha ha. Hmm? Then they go through some of the stuff that they had to do to make ends meet during World War II. This is a damn disgrace this has even got this far. Utter disgrace. Goldman Sachs, remember, are the guys that okayed uh, Greece after doing all this bookkeeping and fudging it all. They were the ones who okayed it for it to join the European Union. They fiddled the books. If you left Greece alone, they'd have been fine. But that wasn't an intention, was it? And same with the other countries too. Now, Michael Gorbachev, who's still pushing globalism across the world, in fact, when he first came out, he talked about the New World Order. It was big news. Oh, he actually said the New World Order. Wow. And uh, he's out at it again. It says, Michael Gorbachev says, Occupy Wall Street signals an emerging New World Order. As Occupy Wall Street movements continue, some unlikely faces appear supporting the movement, and some even more unlikely scenarios are presented as solutions. While most protesters call for the return of grassroots democracy and the stop of unlawful rule of international banks, you have figures working for the exact opposite, such as a big fat socialist world government supporting the movement. George Soros and Michael Gorbachev, two of the world's most vocal elite globalists and, and socialists as well, have indeed been working for years for a new world order and everything it implies. Now, remember too, uh, if you ever get confused and wonder why, the top communists are always multimillionaires and sometimes billionaires and socialism uh, it's basically the slower form, it's the tortoise form of, of communism. Communism is socialism in a hurry, that's what Stalin said. So they're, they're still at the same old thing again, and they're very, very wealthy people. Well, that's why, you see, the big bankers and so on believe in technocracy, the rule by experts. That's what socialism is supposed to be based upon. And we're living through it now, as they just appoint people into being prime ministers across the world. This is, is OWS trapping people in the, in the Hegelian dialectic where supporting the protesters become supporting a new world order. Here's what Gorbachev said during an October 20th uh, 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 talk at Lafayette College. This is, we are reaping the consequences of a strategy that is not conducive to cooperation and partnership, to living in a new global situation. The world needs goals that will bring people together. So I'll continue with this 
after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about a speech by Gorbachev on a New World Order, which he gave at Lafayette College. And he said, he's talking about the U.S. and how they actually still see things. He says, other people in America are now giving thought to the future of their country. The big banks, the big corporations are still playing the same big, are paying the same big bonuses to their bosses. Was there ever a crisis for them? I believe America needs its own perestroika. The entire world's situation did not develop properly. We saw deterioration where there should have been positive movement. Then he goes on about, says, my late uh, friend John Paul II said it best. He says, we need a new world order, one that is more stable, more humane, and more just. Others, including myself, have spoken about a new world order, but we're still facing the problem of building such a world order. Problems of the environment, of backwardness and poverty, food shortages. He's talking about redistribution of what wealth you got left, if you call it wealth, you know. All because we do not have a system of global governance. So it's all because there's no global governance he's, he's blaming it on. We cannot leave things as they were before when we were seeing that these protests are moving to even new countries, that almost all countries are now witnessing such protests, that the people want change. As we're addressing these challenges, these problems raised by these protests, movements, will will gradually fund our way towards a new world order. So all your communists are also behind it as well as all your right-wing guys too. Don't forget all these, the ones who went across the world, the color revolutions were all trained by the CIA, MI6 and others to lead them. (laughs) <laughs> Don't forget that for a minute. So isn't that rather strange that your top capitalists and your top communists are all on board together? It's not strange at all. That's a dialectic. That's what they always use. I've said so many times, if you wake up and you, and you, you, you'll immediately fall to, 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 to one thing or another, one theory or another, and believe you me, they'll have one already made for you, tailor-made for you to walk into. They've all sussed out by your personality types, you see. And there's an article here, too, about uh, how the big banks are very unhappy that the, the, the carbon, it's, it's the sales of carbon credits, which they're all profiting off themselves, again, the big multi-billionaires, um, are kind of on hold right now, and they're waiting to see what happens after this conference in South Africa uh, so they can get on with business. So all the big boys who pushed for carbon taxes and used all the bottom ones, the NGOs that pretend to be grassroots leftists, um, to help it forward, uh, they're, they're all really ticked off that it's all on hold right now. Mind you, it's all from you. All the, all the money comes from you, remember. It's all about taxation from you. Most folk are not up there in the, in the high ranks. Most of us are not. And talking about carbon taxes, it says one lone East Anglia man stands up against the poor practice. Where are the rest? From the East Anglia University, where all the leaked emails came out of. It says, Alan Kendall's a lecturer at the University of East Anglia with principles and an open mind who gave his students the whole story. And in, in other words, the other side of the story, not the fudged one that his colleagues were giving the world. I applaud his bravery and his brave approach. He would have known he risked uh, castigation and exile in his workplace and that there would be little reward. So 
it, it goes into that particular story. I'll put that up tonight too at cuttingthroughthemidrace.com and you'll see what happens when you turn against your colleagues and say, look, we've got to tell the truth here. You know, oh, we can't do that. Can't do that. You know. And that little article is kind of interesting because um, there's more of this goes on than it's ever admitted to because we truly live in a, a kind of fake reality. You know, we, we kind of get lulled to sleep by the media and the news and even the movies they give us to watch the programmers for what's to come. But um, I can remember when Rick Bagage went over to the European Union Parliament because some of the members believed that there were magnetic uh, attacks on them. Uh, these are magnetic um, frequencies that are used to they kind of pulse a person when, when directed at them or aimed at them, and it can make you vomit and suddenly double up, things like that. So he took a whole bunch of these things, all old equipment that the CIA used years ago, the CIA used years ago, and demonstrated it on television. Anyway, Taiwan spy agency denies magnetic attack. And it says Taiwan's intelligence agency Tuesday flatly rejected allegations that had launched an electromagnetic wave attacks against the running mate of an opposition presidential candidate. The National Security Bureau has not owned the alleged technologies, nor have we used equipment to harass the alleged targeted person, the Bureau said in a statement. Uh, Lin Rui Xiong, the running mate of independent candidate James Sung, surprised the public last week when he claimed to have been subjected to electromagnetic wave attacks by the Bureau on September the 20th outside his home and over the following three days. This is old stuff, this technology. Uh, the heck, they've got, they've got videos up there where you actually see the government agencies testing this stuff out, even bigger stuff too for whole crowds. He says, if I, if I hadn't moved quickly out of my home, I would have lost my mind, he told reporters. So Lin, who's an epidemiologist, was chosen by Sung as his running mate in a move seen as aimed at securing support from Taiwan's rich and influential medical circles. So this kind of stuff really does go on. Another article, too, is to do, it's just astonishing how much the big boys get away with. Uh, I've got an article from a few weeks ago, actually, I never put it up, but it was to do with uh, Her Majesty's Revenue Collection Agency. Her Majesty, everybody in Britain and the British Commonwealth uh, works for Her Majesty. She owns the whole thing. And like kings and queens all down through the ages, they live off taxation of the public. And you pay it for the privilege of being alive, you know. And uh, anyway, they have different deals for different types of people, of course. And when it comes to big corporations, they they tend to waive it all together or they may get a present given to them. Uh, which doesn't cost as much as the taxes and they might be quite happy with that because they have that privilege of doing that kind of stuff but anyway on one of the, the, the I'll try to find this one here one of her representatives in other words a guy who was employed by the government to try to get money from Goldman Sachs who owned them millions and maybe billions uh, had an inquiry about it and this particular lawyer who worked for the government for Her Majesty the Queen in other words uh, refused to tell the commission uh, just how much was owed, etc., or what he'd been really doing with Goldman Sachs, uh, because he says it was, it was client privilege. And he had to be reminded who he is working for, but he still wouldn't give up the goods. So he's been offered an awful lot of cash, obviously. I'll see if we can find that one. This is about a similar thing here. So HMRC tax deal with Vodafone may have been illegal, it says. Uh, HMRC, Emergency Revenue Collection, settled a tax dispute with Vodafone in 2010 in a deal that cost the public purse billions of pounds. The controversial tax deal, which cost the public purse billions, may have been illegal, 
According to allegations being examined by a powerful parliamentary committee, the Public Accounts Committee is considering claims from a whistleblower who says that an agreement to waive the potential tax bill of up to £7 billion from Vodafone may have been outside the powers of Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Separately, the whistleblower also claimed that an agreement that Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs officials claimed let the US-based bank Goldman Sachs off less than £10 million was actually worth about £20 million to the taxpayer. So they, they, they did let Goldman Sachs off. Who rules the world? Do you remember that article? Goldman Sachs rules the world. It was out a few weeks back. The committee wants to commission a Queen's Council to examine the allegations in depth. So you're, you're just, I guess you're just too big to even uh, prosecute eventually. It's not just too big to fail. You're, you're too big to prosecute. And no wonder, because you see Goldman Sachs and all the other big boys together collectively, they own the military-industrial complex. Never mind all the corporations. They own them. They own GE. They own all these big companies. The banks own the military-industrial complex. Yep. So, that's just the way it is. And they call that democracy and the new society and globalism. Now, I've mentioned before, too, that they're using every crisis to radically alter the old treaties of the European Union into this new treaty they're bringing up. They just come up with them all the time, new treaties. And so you have to all give up all sovereignty now to to save ourselves. We're all sinking, building each other out, you see. So we're sinking, building each other out, so we've got to totally unify to stop us all sinking. That makes sense, right? When it doesn't make sense, you know there's another agenda. They're using the crisis. It's an essential part, in fact, of the crisis. And this article here is to do with the Eurozone. It says, France and Germany, since Germany especially, since they're now the boss, they're the ones with the biggest banks, urge common taxes. So here's common taxes to be introduced across the whole of Europe as they take over all taxation. The leaders of France and Germany have called jointly for Eurozone countries to have common corporation and financial transaction taxes. That will expand right down to the common person. The tax policy would apply initially to the 17-member Eurozone. France has long complained about Ireland's low corporation tax rate of 12.5%. The proposal came in a letter to the European Council President Herman von Rompuy, or Rompuy, however he pronounces it, on the, on the, key, on the eve of a key EU summit. Both countries want changes to the EU treaties to enforce budget discipline. So much for keeping your sovereignty to yourselves, eh? A meeting place to do with trade, eh? What a joke. It's got its own national anthem and everything. The push for the EU tax harmonization, it's harmonization word again, eh? It's highly controversial. The UK especially has for years resisted moves towards tax harmonization in the 27-nation bloc. And it says... Um, there are elements in need to upset almost everyone. Britain certainly won't give sign up to any financial transaction tax. Ireland's jealously guards its low corporate tax rate, and there are obstacles at every turn. Even France and Germany have disagreements, but they still want a deal involving all 27 member states. If they can't get one, they plan to proceed with the 17 members of the Eurozone and any other country which wants to join them. Why would you want to join them? Well, you know why you'd want to join them? You see, this great treaty that they've got, tries to uh, cut out anybody else who isn't part of this big union from trading at all. They'll starve to death. That's it, folks. Literally, that's it. Yeah. That's the dirty tricks they play. Oh, you can't trade with any of these countries. 
You can't sell your produce anywhere. No. Blackmail. That's plain and simple. So the intricacies of tree change will loom large over the summit, but there's also a bigger picture. The EU needs to rebuild market confidence around the Eurozone and offer better protection to countries like Italy, which have huge debts. So here they are appointing prime ministers now as technocrats, and right out of their own bank, by the way, the Central Bank of Europe. Uh, you just go here and run that country, and you'll go over there and run that country too. And, uh, and this is the new technocracy you're living in today. Exactly, exactly what the Royal Institute of International Affairs wanted and a long time ago, and now they're getting it. Now, German Chancellor is not on the offensive here again. Merkel blasts Greece over retirement age and vacation. They want to harmonize the retirement age and how much holidays you get as a worker. You see, now it's the big boss that holds all the debt, you know, all, all, all the bonds. It was a kind of criticism that one isn't used to hearing from Angela Merkel, normally sober and analytical to a fault. The German Chancellor on Tuesday evening blasted a handful of heavily indebted southern European countries, saying they needed to raise retirement age and reduce vacation days. Keeping debt under control, Merkel said in a speech in an event held by her party, the Conservative Christian Democratic Union, the western German town of Meshid isn't the only priority. It's also important that people in countries like Greece, Spain and Portugal are not able to retire earlier than in Germany, that everyone exerts themselves more or less equally. This is important. So equal slavery everywhere, equal taxes everywhere, uh, equal retirement everywhere. By the way, uh, there's an article in another paper the other day there where it said, is 80 years of age going to be the new retirement age? And I'm not kidding. You know, you're right back into the old system of, of like factory towns, only it's factory nations, where the corporation, the big corp, private corporation own everything. They own you, basically. And eventually you'll get credits to take the place of money. That is on the, the books as well. Now, uh, there's no point telling people to be careful about what they, uh, they do with uh, their technologies now and sharing information across the whole planet. Uh, they've been told so many times by people at the top themselves that everything is collected uh, forever and ever. Amen. The youngsters don't mind. They've been trained uh, for, for, for to. They've been trained from kindergarten for this very system we're going into now. They've been brought up going through uh, electromagnetic sensors at school and being searched and have their lockers raided and stuff like that. They're used to the, the TSA stuff before the TSA was up and running. They're trained for it. And they think that, that there's no need for privacy. Who needs privacy? You want sock puppet friends all over the place. So, yeah, I've got hundreds and hundreds of friends. Yeah. That's what they think, yeah. FredonNewsRadio.com recently reported in a Library of Congress agreement with Twitter to archive every public tweet distributed through the social networking site. But as it turns out, the deal has been in the works for some time and was first announced last year. The Library of Congress has pointed out to On Deadline in an email. On Deadline reported on the arrangement in a post dated Tuesday. And so it says uh, uh, it's been on the go for a year. They are actually doing it. And basically, it's obviously not just Twitter, it's all emails, everything's being catalogued and archived uh, forever and ever. Amen. I've no doubt about that at all. So I'll put this link up as well for those who care. <laughs> I don't have any cares about it. And since in South Africa, the big uh, 
the meetings going on about how to revive the the falling apart climate con. And uh, it says skeptics leap from the plane, a plane to see if zombie media will finally notice the climate gate emails. And I've got two articles on that. It says many journalists are apparently trapped in a fit of ideological blindness. They can't acknowledge emails leaked from their favorite scientists. What do you, you do when your religious idol turns out to be a mere fallible human? Caught de- deleting emails, hiding data, and pretending that their models are accurate when they privately admit that they're all wrong. The overwhelming evidence for the prophecies of a coming man-made disaster are exposed in the emails as based on research, uh, or, or on biased research, petty trickery, flawed assumptions, and an all-too-human desire to keep me employed with big grants. So it says, uh, the trance of big government-appointed prophets is so strong, skeptics such as Christopher Monckton and Craig Rooker from CFACT are going to skydive into Durban to see if they can shake journalists out of their stupor. The big jump will happen at 11 a.m. Durban time, and it gives you different times that actually it would be in different countries. And it says, um, skeptics risk life and limb free-falling from 3,000 feet to draw attention to climate gate 2. They're also flying banners across the sky too to demand that all these emails be actually debated, all the data in them, and the fact that the top boys like Kelly and that says that, you know, we don't have enough data to back up our or assumptions, etc. All that, all that stuff's out there. But they don't want to debate it. Look, it never happened. Never happened. Because the big global agenda to get us all into poverty, uh, paying carbon taxes is, is a must be. That's why. It's a must be. In Belgium, uh, the Belgian king is, a, and here's technocracy again. <laughs> he appoints a prime minister because they couldn't uh, end this, this, uh, the squabble they've been having in Belgium. So the, prime, the, the king just came out and uh, appointed one. He said, yeah, you're now the prime minister. And I guess we'll have to get used to this idea now, eh? And, and to watch this happening across the world. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, we're back cutting through the matrix and just before I take a caller uh, I've mentioned before about euthanasia has been pushed big time, I mentioned the pathways organisations of the National Health Service in Britain, they put you in a, a place and let you starve to death and give you no water it's far cheaper that way, it doesn't cost them pills or anything and your pension goes too so the government can snaffle that well it's way further in Holland because now it's death on wheels, they were the first ones to bring out euthanasia and Dutch are now to send mobile clinics to euthanize people in their own homes. So it says the Dutch government is considering plans to use mobile medical teams which would administer euthanasia to people in their own homes. The units are dubbed the Grim Reapers on wheels by critics who be called in to kill patients when their own general practitioners refuse to administer lethal drugs. So now the government is directly involved in deciding who they'll go out to kill that day. Uh, this is genuine, folks, and it's coming to place near you because it's a global agenda and we've all to copy these countries. You see, they take these things first. After all, it saves the economy and saves money on pensions. Now, we'll go to Werner in Canada, if he's still hanging on, from New Brunswick. Hello, Werner, are you there? Good evening, Alan. You, covered, uh, you cover a lot of uh, different subjects in, uh, <laughs> in one hour. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of hard to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. But I... Uh, uh, refer to what you earlier were talking about the communists. Yeah. And uh, well, as far as uh, what I can see, 
they betrayed their own ideology, mm-hmm. especially in the uh, Soviet Union and uh, all the uh, countries they controlled. Yep. Uh, one of the basic, their basic uh, doctrines was the worker shall own the means of production so that they cannot be exploited anymore by the ones who own the means of production, like the uh, factory owners and before the big land owners. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically they turned it all around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I believe that was the plan from the beginning, though, because when you look at who financed the, 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 the Bolshevik Revolution, and uh, again, it was, um, there's a book out, uh, Who Financed uh, the Bolshevik Revolution by Anthony Sutton. Two wings yeah. on the same on the same bird. You know, yes. the uh, capitalists were, fin- uh, were financing the communists and the socialists. Yes, and also George Orwell mentioned that in Animal Farm, uh, where, where the, the animals who thought they'd won their freedom uh, were betrayed by the pigs who got in with the humans, and the humans congratulate the pigs. He says, that, that's great, you, you've got them all working for nothing. We've been trying to do them, get them to do this for, for centuries, and, and you've done it. So that, that was really the trick. And of course, all the big corporations, uh, General Electric, you had, uh, uh, uh GM Motors, uh, Ford, all, they all had plant, big massive plants over in the Soviet Union. And they also had tremendous deals to exploit the country for minerals, etc., and gold, etc., and all that stuff. So yeah, it was a complete, uh, racket. It was a racket. It's a gangster racket from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, see, this, uh, was something where, uh, George Messaros, Hungarian George, touched on there a few months ago when he described about the way the uh, uh, American uh, companies were building up Stalin's uh, industries, mm-hmm. you know, where they were supplying them with all the uh, uh, machinery, uh, manufacturing technology and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. basically two opposing systems, you know, mm-hmm. at, uh, at uh, the opposing end of the spectrum. Yes. But... Uh, well, I look at it in a kind of, philosoph- uh, kind of philosophic way, too. Yes. Uh, it's an age-old battle between the wannabes and the worker bees. Uh, it, it truly is. It truly is. Absolutely. A stone age yeah. man, you know, when somebody had, uh, had killed an animal or, or gathered up enough food, you know, then there were uh, some others, uh, they were looking behind the bushes and uh, tried to steal it away from them. That's right. You know? the, the trick is to make you think you're actually gathering the wood for yourself. <laughs> That's the trick. And, and they're awfully good at that. We'll all work together for a great new world future. We'll share the wealth as we all go into massive debt and austerity. And, and who's profiting? Well, look at the big, big banks. But thanks for tuning in. For, from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God, go with you. And help me out to my end. You know how to do it.